Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of the Fortress of Rock. I am the maestro, Kevin Crane. Glad to have you aboard here. June the 24th, 2022, a glorious rock and roll weekend. Billy Joel Live, Notre Dame Stadium tomorrow night. Tailgating. I will be indulging completely and totally as the summer concert season rolls into full force. Of course, we saw Sammy Hagar last week. July will feature Tom Kiefer, L.A. Guns, and Faster Pussycat. Hopefully, we will not get a bathroom performance from L.A. Guns, if you don't know about that. We'll talk about that next week. Also, Doobie Brothers, another show, just like Billy Joel, delayed for years and years because of the pandemic. Also, for the first time ever, I will get to see Kansas. Next week, of course, though, will be the big Billy Joel review. And I think it would be appropriate if we, like, Take some time, not the whole episode next week, but take some time to look back at Billy Joel's career, his missteps, his greatest moments, the courageous decision to bow out when he did. If you're going to do it, you do it like Billy Joel did. You do it on top. You say, I'm done, I'm out, I'm over, no more. And he did go out at pretty much the peak of his career. So next week, a lot of Billy Joel talk. But for now, this week, News of the World starts off the Fortress of Rock as always. And we're going to talk about a movie to start off News of the World. A connection there. News of the World, of course, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen. And you could say that Bohemian Rhapsody was the movie that really showed Hollywood they had an untapped gold mine when it came to rock biopics. Since then, we have seen Rocketman do extremely well. The story of Elton John, to a lesser extent, respect. Jennifer Hudson, of course, playing Aretha Franklin. We've seen Get On Up. James Brown. We've seen movies about Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons, but you could argue, outside of a Beatles biopic, this could be the biggest one ever. That being said, Elvis opened last night 
for previews officially opening today nationwide. Austin Butler playing Elvis Presley. By all accounts, most of what I've heard, he does a great, great job as the king of rock and roll. Tom Hanks. Captain Tom Parker. I find it interesting. I don't know what commercials, what advertisements you guys have seen out there, but I am not seeing anybody, any cut, any version of any ad that really features Tom Hanks. It's all about Austin Butler as Elvis Presley. So we'll see if that ends up being a wise strategy. Ignoring the proven commodity in Tom Hanks. A lot of people are saying that Elvis, it's just too far gone. He's too old. It's not going to connect. A lot of people pointing to the fact that even somebody as old as me was 12 years old when Elvis died. But I, I understand the impact that Elvis Presley had on the music world. I find those people to be hypocrites because these are the same people that will praise the Beatles up and down, left and right, and go, oh my God, the Beatles, oh my God, the Beatles are the greatest thing ever to grace the face of the earth when it comes to music. The Beatles broke up in 1970. Elvis was creating music and lived until 1977. So it's hypocrisy for people to criticize the fact that this Elvis biopic might be reaching for an audience that's way too old when we get Disney throwing out hours upon hours upon hours along with Peter Jackson of Beatles footage. Boring, boring Beatles footage as they put together their final album and the final rooftop concert. The Beatles have somehow surpassed Elvis Presley in the public's music consciousness. That's fine. I'm good with that. I like the Beatles. But I find it odd that people have kind of forgotten the king of rock and roll as they still slurp to this day all over the Beatles. Can you imagine the uproar? Can you imagine the absolute polarizing criticisms, praise, that would come through social media if they were ever to do a Beatles biopic movie. Oh my God, who have you cast as the Fab Four? Are you going to cover the entire career? Are you going to go into their solo careers? Oh, how are you going to portray Yoko Ono? 
It'll never happen. Because there's too many dissenting voices out there who are going to be critical of anything and everything that Hollywood would do when it comes to the Beatles. Frankly, I'm shocked they were able to push through an Elvis biopic like this. Next to the Beatles, Elvis is the one that I would consider untouchable. Reviews are good. Will I watch it? Eventually, when it comes on HBO Max or one of the the streaming services, I'm not going to go out to the theater to see it. I wish and I hope and I pray it does well. I really do. Because I want more of these movies. I do want a Beatles biopic. I do want to see Hollywood take that chance because just like with Marvel 20 years ago when they realized, oh, look at all these superheroes that we've got that we've never made movies about. Maybe we should do that. Duh. Now Hollywood's finally trying to realize, and you can go back I know I mentioned Bohemian Rhapsody as the modern-day touchstone, but you can go back to Val Kilmer in The Doors. There are a lot of bands out there that they could do a biopic about that I think would do very, very well at the box office. So we'll see. Right now... Things are mixed from what I've seen in terms of box office. Looks like Elvis could do pretty good, but not great. Could barely exceed what Rocket Man did in the U.S. in terms of box office, but won't come even close to Bohemian Rhapsody. All right, in terms of our weekly look at tours, Judas Priest coming back with some new tour dates in the fall with Queensryche opening up for them. Wanted to go see them, intrigued to go see them, but of course I just saw them last year. Concert budget probably is not going to allow it to happen, and we'll talk more about that in the next segment. Bad news on the Pat Benatar front. I apologize profusely already for what I'm going to break in segment two. Queensryche, I just, they're one of those bands like Warrant, like Skid Row, Great White, the non-Jack Russell version, where I just, I don't understand the appeal. It's basically only marginally better than a cover band. If Jeff Tate is not singing for Queensryche, it is not Queensryche. And I have seen this version of Queensryche before. I saw them open for Scorpions about five years ago, five, six years ago. They're fine. They're solid. They're good. But in the end, you don't feel like you saw Queensryche.
I only bring this story up because if you guys have listened to me rant and rave about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know there are certain bands that are in the Rock Hall of Fame who I don't believe deserve to be there, especially above other bands that I have campaigned for over the past year. One of those bands is the Pretenders. I have never understood the appeal of the Pretenders. Do I hate them? No, I think they've got good music. I think they've got really, really good stuff. You could make a marginally solid greatest hits CD from the Pretenders' best songs. But outside of that, I don't need to listen to them. I don't care to listen to them. Really, you take away the first three albums, there's nothing left. There's really nothing left. And of course, their leader, Chrissy Hind, has always been pretentious, antagonistic, beyond all belief. She's one of those rock stars who acts like, I don't want to be a rock star. I'm a performer, but I don't really care what the audience thinks of me. Here she goes again. Now Chrissy Hind has come out and said she will not play any more Pretenders hits live in concert. She says, I only did it to pay the bills. Boo freaking who, Chrissy. Boo freaking who. And now, you people out there, feel free. Drop me a line here on the podcast website. Go to the Facebook page. You tell me if Chrissy Hind and the Pretenders are not playing the hits, quote-unquote, what are you going to hear? Why are you paying money to go see the Pretenders or Chrissy Hind if he, she, they are not playing pretender songs, pretender's hits. There's no point to this. This is absolute arrogance on the part of Chrissy Hind. And again, this is another reason why I cannot stand the pretenders being in the Rock Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's arrogance on my part. I can do a better job of putting bands in the Rock Hall of Fame than Jan Wenner and his cast of cronies can. And number one, I kicked the pretenders out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There is no way in holy Hades they deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And again, now you get Chrissy Hind just telling everybody, well, screw you. I won't play my biggest hits anymore. Good luck selling tickets to that show, Chrissy. New music coming out, just announced within the last couple days for the hard rock fans out there. Megadeth. New album coming out September the 2nd. The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead. 
first single is out now, which we will review here in the next couple of weeks on the Fortress of Rock. We'll be back. So new stuff coming from Dave Mustaine and his crew. And even though he just went under the knife and had, by all accounts, very serious back surgery, of course he's had this stuff probably completed, done for months, just getting remixed. Ozzy Osbourne releases his new song, Patient Number 9, with Jeff Beck. And the album of the same name will be coming out, of course, on 9 9, September the 9th, 2022. And I will give Ozzy Osbourne all the credit in the world. He is one of those acts. We've talked about Dave Grohl. We love the bands that sit there and at least still try to create. Collective Soul is another one that comes to mind. Just give us something new every two to three years. Show us that you care. Show us that you are still creative, that you still want to do something different and new to keep cementing your legacy. Don't just go out and play the hits. Every couple years on tour, that's called a money grab. We talked about that a week or two ago when it came to the Foo Fighters tribute shows and the potential Van Halen tribute shows. We don't look at those as money grabs. Money grabs are when you go out and you play the same set you played two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, with all your greatest hits. I'm not trying to disparage anybody, but Poison does that. Sammy Hagar does that. Just don't insult us. And this is why I love Ozzy. Now, I've never seen Ozzy live because the footage I've seen of him, I'm not a big fan of him screaming and yelling at the audience, stand up, stand up, clap your hands, stand up. And of course, I'm taking out all the F-bombs because every other word out of his mouth when he does that is an F-bomb. I do not like that. That is one of my big pet peeves when it comes to concerts. Do not tell me what to do. Do not tell me to clap my hands. Do not tell me to stand up. Do not tell me to sing along. In return, I won't get mad when you decide you want the crowd to sing half of one of your biggest hits because either you're too old to sing it yourself or you're too lazy. And I'm not calling Ozzy out on this particularly. I'm saying this about a lot of bands that I've seen, a lot of performers I've seen over the last decade or so. Don't you tell me what to do. Don't tell me about your political views. And then I won't get mad when you decide to rip through one of your biggest hits by having the audience sing it for you. How about that? How about we make that a fan-performer covenant, all right? So we will see 
how Ozzy's new material sounds, of course we will review patient number nine here in the coming couple of weeks on the Fortress of Rock. And of course, we wish Ozzy the best when it comes to his recovery from his back surgery. It'll be up to him if he wants to go back out on the road again. I don't think he owes us that. I have a feeling he'll try. I hope he doesn't jeopardize his health. He's not Sammy Hagar. Sammy Hagar, for his age, is in phenomenal shape. Ozzy's a little bit worse for the wear. So, we'll see about another Ozzy tour. Again, I would predict yes. But he does not owe us that. If he bows out into that good night, good for him. All right, kids, that does it for segment one of The Fortress of Rock. Coming up, my review, finally, of The Fix's new album, Every Five Seconds, along with new songs from Journey, Ugly Kid Joe, and Alan Parsons, featuring Tommy Shaw of Sticks. Hang out for a minute, and I will be right back. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Fortress of Rock podcast with me, the maestro, Kevin Crane. Of course, that was segment one, the news of the world, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen, where we look back at the past week in rock and roll and all the news and all the controversies that you deserve to know about. Next up is the heart of the show, the meat and potatoes breakdown where we are going to review all the new songs all the new albums all the new concert tours the shows that i've seen personally stay tuned for that of course we're now available on spotify anchor apple stitcher Castbox, google pocket cast and radio public wherever you listen to your favorite podcast hang out kids we'll be right back Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Fortress of Rock with the maestro, Kevin Crane. Glad to have you aboard. As always, we are carried on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, and Stitcher. I let you down this week. I'll admit it as we move into segment two, breakdown. Our segment will review all the new albums, concerts, songs that are out there. I promised you Pat Benatar last week. I know I did. I thought I was going to be able to make the Pat Benatar show in Fort Wayne at Sweetwater. I could not make it. Finances came into play. Health a little bit came into play. So I apologize. I do not have a review of Pat Benatar. As I've mentioned in the past, though, we've got a full summer slate of concerts that I am committed to. So this was going to be a last-minute deal. 
Either way, I did not have tickets. I was going to wait until the day before, buy tickets, head out there by myself, check her out. Never seen Pat Benatar before. Figured she's getting in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It would be a cool time to go see her. And I just didn't have the cash, didn't have the energy. So for that, I apologize. But I do have a full slate of reviews otherwise, including the latest album from The Fix. It's been at least a decade since we have heard from The Fix in terms of new music. The original lineup is intact. The new album is called Every Five Seconds. Harkens back to the 80s in more ways than one. Of course, we all know The Fix was a fixture. Ha ha. For a few years, back with Reach the Beach, they had a nice little run of hits. Many of which are still played on the radio to this day. Definitely one thing leads to another. Every once in a while, you'll hear Red Skies at Night. I always thought The Fix were a little bit underrated. They were never going to be a great band. They were a little too experimental. They tried to encapsulate too many genres. They wanted to be pop. They wanted to be rock. They wanted to be alternative. They wanted to be new wave. Very few bands have ever been able to pull that off. The Cars come to mind. A more recent example would be Collective Soul. But The Fix were never a bad band. They always put forth a good effort on all their albums. They always had a couple really, really interesting original hits on their albums and the new one every five seconds is no exception so let us as always go track by track through every five seconds by the fix first song i don't know if i would have picked this as the opening track it doesn't necessarily get things off to a uplifting, positive start. But in a way, it sounds like classic fix. So the first song on every five seconds is A Life Survived. And it's a good song. It's not, it's not a bad song. I just don't think it's a great selection for the leadoff track. Again, a little downbeat. But you do find on this song and throughout, not necessarily as much as I would like, but at spots throughout every five seconds, you hear that classic, sharp, fixed guitar work. You know what I'm talking about. Very, very quick, sharp guitar notes that that really trademark the fixed sound. 
Toll Life Survived is a good leadoff, not a great one. I would not have done it. I would not have put this one as the first track, but then we get three straight songs that we have reviewed here in the past on The Fortress. We get Closer, we get Take What You Want, and then Wake Up. Now, all three are great songs to varying degrees. Closer has got very wry, sarcastic lyrics. Basically talking about technology and modern society. Don't you feel closer? We've got all these these wonderful innovations that are supposed to, to make us more connected. Social media the phones, the internet, the Chromebooks, the laptops, the Bluetooth. And so the Fix do a really nice job of being sarcastic on Closer. Asking, wink, wink, nod, nod, don't you feel closer to your fellow man now? Great lines like, I'm overdosing as the penny drops. Very well-written song. Closer is great. Take What You Want, still a good song. A little bit more of a traditional, straightforward pop rock song. Still good. Then we get Wake Up, which along with Closer, a little bit more serious in terms of its subject matter, its lyrics, and of course makes it a little bit better song. Closer and Wake Up are obviously the two highlights of every five seconds. That's why they were put out there as two of the leadoff singles. There is no song on here, let me warn you right now, like one thing leads to another. There is no catchy, marginally dance, pop-type friendly song on here. If you've listened to Reach the Beach, this is more like a follow-up to that album. It's, it's more serious it's more i don't want to say downbeat but the fix are trying to actually say something do something with this album now unfortunately after wake up we get the weak point of the album which is song five suspended in make-believe which almost sounded to me like the Fix trying to channel Soundgarden, believe it or not. Um, the one song out of the 10 on every five seconds that I just could not get into at all. Then you get another high point. And I was kind of shocked this song was not released as a single, at least not yet. Lonely is a Lighthouse. 
of course, this is all about imagery. You can tell from the title. This is not a serious song per se, like Closer or Wake Up. But the imagery, again, look at the title. You can tell where I'm going. You can tell where the fix are going. It's got a great guitar riff. It's just a really, really good pop rock song. Then you get Cold, track seven, and Spell, track eight, which I needed to listen to multiple times before I started to like them more. Originally, the first time or two I listened to Cold and Spell, I wasn't really that impressed. After three or four listens, these are the type of songs, the type of deep tracks that really do start to resonate, that really do start to catch as earworms. Spell especially is great, track eight. Cold, I'll still say is good, not great. It has a terrible chorus, an absolutely terrible, terrible, unimaginative chorus. But outside of that, it's a pretty good song. Spell, like I said, much better. And then, of course, another song we've heard and reviewed in the past, Woman of Flesh and Blood, track nine. An interesting departure to a point for the fix. Down-tempo, almost a love song. Kind of tries to be smoldering and sexy, I guess, if that's what the fix are going for. This is not a band that I would ever count on for smoldering and sexy. This is probably the closest they're going to get. Not a bad song, though. In the end, it's pretty good. Not great. And then finally, track 10. And again, only 10 songs. This is, again, hearkening back to the 80s. The album is not over long. We're not getting 14, 15 tracks just because the CD format can hold that much music. The Fix said, we're doing a normal album like we would in the 80s, 40, 45 minutes. That's what we're giving you. That's what you get. So a song with a nice acoustic hook to wrap up every five seconds, a song called Never Ending. Very nice closing song. If this is the last we get from The Fix, this would actually be a really good song for them to close out their career with. So overall, every five seconds, I have issues with it, but not as many as I thought I would. It actually ended up being a much better album than I anticipated. If you remember The Fix, if you remember classic songs, the classic album, again, Reach the Beach. 
if you liked the fix back in the 80s like I did, this album does not disappoint. It is a very, very solid listen. I will definitely listen to this album again. And that is always the litmus test. If I review an album, I listen to it three, four, five times so I can give you a solid review. If I say I will listen to it again, that means there's something there. That means it's it's got some redeeming qualities, some redeeming value. So check out every five seconds from The Fix. Three songs this week to review. First up, the latest from Journey, of course, their new album, Freedom, is coming out in just a couple weeks. The latest single off of that album is Don't Give Up On Us. I know a lot of you out there know Journey. Maybe you're not huge fans, but of course you couldn't get away from Journey in the 80s and the early 90s on the radio. They were all over the place. They were one of the biggest bands in the U.S., if not the world. You listen to this song, Don't Give Up On Us, and you tell me if it does not sound like some kind of a rip-off slash sequel slash remake of Separate Ways, Worlds Apart especially the first 10 or 15 seconds. You listen to the opening of Don't Give Up On Us, and it literally sounds like they are trying to do a very, very small, slight variation on the opening of Separate Ways, Off of Frontiers. So that being said, how do I feel about the song as a whole? It's okay. This sounds like Journey trying to be Journey. It sounds like they're trying to make a hit song that sounds like past Journey hit songs. Not really a good thing. It's the bottom acceptable level of rock and roll comfort food I guess is the best way I can put it where I don't hate it it's just creative enough it's just different enough from their past hits where I'll say okay I'll take it but it is definitely not a step forward for Journey this is definitely Journey settling into an old 80s groove hoping you don't notice, hoping you don't take them to task for it. I'm going to a little bit and say the stuff I've heard from Freedom that you've released earlier, better, different. This is lazy. This is lazy journey. Going off on a tangent here, I wouldn't normally review Alan Parsons, even though I know some of his stuff growing up. The Alan Parsons Project, of course, Eye in the Sky, iRobot, I Wouldn't Want to Be Like You, 
time. Alan Parsons made his mark on the music world back in the 70s, early 80s. Now he's coming back with a new album and song, Euroboros. Tommy Shaw featured lead vocals on this. And of course, Alan Parsons usually had somebody step in and, and do the vocal work. He was more of an engineer, a producer, an arranger than he really was any kind of a a musician at the forefront or especially a singer. So this is not weird or different. This is true to form for Alan Parsons. Um, but Tommy Shaw singing a goofy, esoteric, atmospheric, sci-fi, space-age type song for Alan Parsons. It works and it doesn't work. And I'll tell you why it does work first. Styx has kind of gotten away from their signature sound recently. Check out their last album. You'll understand what I'm saying. They're trying to get more into theme albums. Trying to get away from the hits. Just putting out another version of Renegade. But if you look at Sticks, you look at Tommy Shaw, you go all the way back to the Grand Illusion even. There's always been that ambition. There's always been that part of Tommy Shaw and Sticks where they've always wanted to do something more than just put out hit songs. They've always wanted to do theme albums. Of course, you remember Mr. Roboto. And again, look at the last couple Sticks albums. They've tried to go a little bit more down that concept road. I personally, I begrudgingly admire it, but it doesn't really always work for me. I just prefer to pick and choose and cherry pick the, the great songs and not really get into the entire album. So that's kind of where this works. You got a meeting of the mind, so to speak, with with Tommy Shaw and Alan Parsons, two very ambitious rock and roll minds. And again, you look at Tommy Shaw and you sit there and you go, okay, Styx has always had that kind of big idea concept floating around in the background on most of their albums, Paradise Theater, another one that comes to mind. But at the same time, you look at Tommy Shaw and the work he's done with Jack Blades and the work he's done with Damn Yankees, and then that's his straight-on rock and roll stuff. So Tommy Shaw is very diverse in that he can wear many hats. 
So this Alan Parsons song lets him indulge more in his thematic concept rock persona. It's a good song. It's not a great song. It's not going to make me want to go out and listen to this Alan Parsons album. Sorry. But it's not an offensively bad song. It's okay. But we were talking earlier about the Pretenders. I want to bring this full circle. We were talking about the Pretenders earlier. How the hell is Styx not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Pretenders are? To me, that's blasphemy. That is rock and roll blasphemy. I would love to get into an argument with anybody out there who wants to tell me that the Pretenders deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ahead of Styx. Because it's garbage. You can't make the argument. You can't make the argument. The only thing you could probably say is back then the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was obsessed again with being politically correct. They still are. They were ahead of their time in that respect. And they had to get a band in there that had a female lead singer. And I'm not ripping on female bands or female lead singers. I have been a proponent, and thank God Pat Benatar is going in this year. I was happy to see the Go-Go's get in. So it's not a sexist thing. It's a who deserves to be in regardless of race, creed, color, or sexuality thing. And sticks, by far, their resume kicks the pretender's ass. Finally. Final song we've got to review for you this week. This is not a band that's going to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay. <laughs> but they're fun. I like them. Back after all these years is Ugly Kid Joe. Their latest song, album coming this fall. Song is called That Ain't Living. And of course... Ugly Kid Joe had that handful of songs that we all know, we all love. Well, you can love their remake of Cats in the Cradle. That song makes me cringe. Anybody, Van Halen could do it. It would make me cringe. Okay, that song is just cringe-worthy. I don't care if it's Harry Chapin. I don't care if it's Ugly Kid Joe. It's just one of the worst songs ever written by a human being. But, of course, they had Neighbor, which was fun and awesome. Everything About You, which was fun and awesome. And now we get That Ain't Living, which rocks, which I love. But it lacks the humor of Neighbor and Everything About You. It doesn't have that nasty middle finger to your face like their logo the iconic covers including the new album middle finger to the face kind of take that you're not better than us kind of attitude now that ain't living is more standard, straight-up, meat-and-potatoes rock and roll. Almost reminds me of ACDC or Airborne. 
in that respect. More of a standard, straightforward rocker, basically saying, hey, going to work nine to five every day, that ain't living well. How many times, hundreds and hundreds of times, has that theme been put forth in hard rock songs in the past decades? So it's nothing new, nothing original, but the song's good. It's catchy. I like it. Again, just like The Fix, it's something I will listen to again. So it passes that test. We'll see in the fall. Maybe, maybe I will review the new Ugly Kid Joe album. Maybe not. We'll see. All right, that's it for segment two. Breakdown is over. I want to go back is up next. Stay tuned, kids. I will be right back. All right, now that we've looked at the current state of music in our breakdown segment, it is time to climb into the DeLorean and travel back in time to look back at moments in rock and roll history, birthdays, deaths, anniversaries of song and album releases. It is time for I Want to Go Back, our tribute to Eddie Money. Stay tuned. And as always, we're on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey, everybody. Rockin' and rollin' right along here Friday night, June the 24th, 2022. The Fortress of Rock with the maestro Kevin Crane. Segment three, I want to go back. Our look at birthdays, anniversaries, monumental, classic, important moments in rock and roll history. I have two significant anniversaries to discuss. And as always, I pick the ones that lend to me pontificating. So I know there's other anniversaries out there, other birthdays out there that I'm missing. I like to pick the ones that I can discuss with you, that I have knowledge about. And as always, the ideas, some of these anniversaries, some of the news items from segment one, I get from three main sources who I always like to acknowledge at this point each and every week. UltimateClassicRock.com, Van Halen News Desk, and ThisDayInMusic.com. Again, ideas come from them, might come from their stories, their posts, but the opinions and the embellishments that I give you are mine and mine alone. So, that being said, first and foremost, a couple of these are going to tie into last week's concert review with Sammy Hagar. Yesterday, 
June the 23rd, back in 1987. It would be the 35th anniversary of the release. You can call it Sammy Hagar. You can call it I Never Said Goodbye. The one solo album Sammy Hagar put out when he was a member of Van Halen as a contractual obligation came out June 23rd, 1987. Of course, Eddie Van Halen helped him out with this back when they were best buds, played bass on the album. There's a lot of solo Sammy Hagar stuff I absolutely love. I think VOA is vastly underrated as an album. I think VOA was one of the greatest rock albums of the 80s. This was not one of his best moments. I'm sorry. I have never been a big fan of, again, Sammy Hagar. I never said goodbye, whatever you want to call it. Just look at the two big hits off the album, and that'll tell you all you need to know. Give to Live and Eagles Fly. Mid-tempo, melodramatic. Blech. I was just glad when I saw him last week, he did not pull Eagles Fly out of his repertoire because I know he likes that song. He thinks it's a great song. I would just like to tell him, Sammy, it's not a great song. It's really not. I can't tell you the last time I actually listened to that album. I never said goodbye in its entirety. I think it says something that he's still playing Mas Tequila instead of anything off of this album. Moving on to legal issues. This is one where I want you kids to play along at home because I remember discussing this with my daughter six years ago. Back then, she would have been 14, 15 years old because the ruling came down in the copyright case of Led Zeppelin versus Spirit. The ruling came down June the 24th in 2016 that Led Zeppelin did not infringe with Stairway to Heaven on the 1967 song Taurus by Spirit. Now I'll say this. I understand. I don't play music. I, I can't play an instrument, but I understand enough about music to know. There, there are a limited amount of notes, a limited amount of sequences of notes you can put together. You can think you're putting together something original. 
and not know that you're copying somebody else. These songs are all nestled back in our animal brain. Those of us who've listened to music for 30, 40, 45 years, all these songs that we listen to on the radio and cassettes, albums, CDs, digital, they're all embedded in our brain somewhere. And especially if you're a musician, I can't imagine how hard it is for you to put together a riff, a sequence in a song that's completely original. So I'm not faulting anybody if they actually kind of crib something from an old hit. That being said, again, going back to my daughter and I discussing this back when this ruling came down, this is when she was really getting into music in her middle teens. We sat down, I played the beginning of Taurus from Spirit, and then I played her the beginning of Stairway to Heaven. And she looked at me and she says, that's almost identical, Dad. That's almost identical. And I looked at her and I said, yeah, you're right, it is. And I also told her, I said, they'll never win their case. They never had a chance to win their case. It's just too hard when it comes to music and trying to prove copyright infringement. And again, do I think Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Page, anybody in the band had any kind of, I don't want to say malice, that seems like it's too harsh of a word, but they intentionally copied Spirit? I don't think they did, but circumstances, of course, around this, this situation were very interesting in that spirit opened for Led Zeppelin. So Led Zeppelin heard this song, Taurus, over and over and over again before they came up with Stairway to Heaven. That makes it a little bit more dicey for me. Again, I understand limited number of chords, notes, but if Spirit was actually playing this song numerous times opening for Led Zeppelin and then Led Zeppelin turns around a couple years later and somehow comes up with Stairway to Heaven, which sounds remarkably similar, especially in the first minute or two. Ugh! Very, very, very hard for me to say they did not copy from Spirit. Good thing I wasn't on this jury, or I wasn't the judge. 
All right, a bunch of birthdays to celebrate this week. Going back again to the Sammy Hagar show from last week. June 20th, earlier this week, 1954. The great, the glorious Michael Anthony, bass player for Van Halen, bass player for Sammy Hagar and The Circle, turned 68 years old earlier this week. Happy birthday to Michael Anthony. Every time I see Sammy Hagar and Michael Anthony comes out, I scream Mikey. I enjoy concerts, but I'm not usually the person that's screaming and yelling from beginning to end of the show. But when Michael Anthony comes out, I scream Mikey because he is part of my rock and roll DNA being the bass player for the greatest band of all time, Van Halen. Now we got four birthdays. I want to talk about two that I'm not overly impressed with and two that I am. And again, being the maestro, I will upset a lot of people out there and that's fine. I like what I like. You like what you like. And it's all good. All these birthdays are today, June the 24th. First up, 1944, Jeff Beck was born. That would make him 78 years old today. I have never, ever, ever understood the appeal of Jeff Beck. I'm not saying he's not a great guitar player, but I've just never understood why people fawn all over him, rank him as one of the top six, seven guitar players of all time. Yeah, he was in the Yardbirds. He replaced Eric Clapton, yada, yada, yada. And then he had the Jeff Beck group, yada, yada, yada. Please, please tell me. And I think you'd be lying if you say you could. Give me 10 songs from Jeff Beck, featuring Jeff Beck. 10 songs, a CD's worth of songs featuring Jeff Beck. And I bet you, you can't. I can't. I couldn't even get halfway there. That's how little I know or care about the legacy of Jeff Beck. Again, going back to my diatribe about Chrissy Hind and the Pretenders, Jeff Beck shouldn't be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't understand the appeal. I don't like Eric Clapton, but I understand why he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't understand Jeff Beck and the appeal. Now, of course, he's got a resurgence going on here at 78. He's doing a collaboration, of course, with Johnny Depp, who's in the news because of the lawsuit with Amber Heard. And he also does appear on Ozzy Osbourne's upcoming album, Patient Number 9. But that's all I've ever really known about Jeff Beck is he likes to collaborate and pop in and pop out as some kind of special guest star on songs or albums. 
But again, where is the legacy of Jeff Beck where we're supposed to actually care? I'll never understand it. Post something on our Facebook page. Drop me a line here at the Fortress of Rock on Spotify. If you can explain to me, give me 10 songs to listen to that feature Jeff Beck. Now, this is one that I've railed on many times on the Fortress. Again, June the 24th, this time we're going back to 1947 for the birthday of Mick Fleetwood. Mick Fleetwood is 75 years old today. This is a tougher case for me to make, but I will still say Fleetwood Mac is overrated. Are they Rock and Roll Hall of Fame worthy? Yes. This is not a Jeff Beck, Chrissy Hine thing. Obviously, I understand the legacy, the importance of Fleetwood Mac rumors was one of the biggest albums out there when I first started listening to music. And I understand Fleetwood Mac is immensely popular. And musically, they're not bad. I don't hate them. I just never understood why people adore them. And I honestly don't know if people really do. I don't know if I know anybody who actually, in conversation at a party, at a cookout, at a ball game, at a concert, has told me, you know what, Fleetwood Mac is my favorite band ever. They're overplayed on the radio, especially soft rock, adult contemporary radio. Again, I get it. Yes, they are Rock and Roll Hall of Fame worthy. But legendary, top 10, top 15 all-time bands, I don't think so. Now, a band that I absolutely love and adore, June the 24th, now we're going to 1949 for the birthday of John Ilsley, 73 years old today, bass player for Dire Straits. Dire Straits, I can't praise Dire Straits enough. Making Movies, one of my favorite albums of all time. Granted, it's only eight songs. But when you've got long, beautiful songs like Romeo and Juliet, Tunnel of Love and Skate Away, you can get away with it and not come away as a listener feeling cheated. How many songs were on Love Over Gold? Six? And I still love the album. I could listen to Mark Knopfler, Mark Ilsley, or John Ilsley, I'm sorry, 
John Ilsley, Mark Knopfler, Pick Withers. One of my favorite bands, one of the most underrated bands to me in rock history. Glad to see they made the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They deserved it. And this is another band that went out on a somewhat high note. Of course, Money for Nothing, Smash It, Smash Video. Of course, they came back with one. They probably stuck around one album too long. On every street, I still like the album a lot, but it was kind of a a whimper instead of a shout when it came to closing out their career. He kind of knew Mark Knopfler wanted to do his own thing. It's been hit and miss for him in his solo career, if you ask me. Um, he's put out some good stuff put out some boring stuff. Um, He's one of those guys, and I talk about this all the time, ad nauseum. He needed that band around him. He needed John Ilsley. He needed Pick Withers. He needed his brother around him to ground him, to get a little bit more of an edge, to rock a little bit more than what he has done since the breakup of Dire Straits. But that being said, happy birthday to John Ilsley. And finally, June the 24th, now 1961. 61 years old, Kurt Smith, of course, one of the two members from Tears for Fears, currently out on tour, supporting The Tipping Point. Another one of those bands that I admire because they try to do different things. They try to be creative. They try to be experimental. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it fails. Be hard-pressed to find somebody back in the day who did not own a copy of Songs from the Big Chair. one of the most iconic albums of the 80s. Of course, Shout, and one of my personal all-time favorite songs, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Also had Head Over Heels, another huge hit. And Tears for Fears, They're not one-hit wonders, but really, if you want to look at it, they're one-album wonders. You take away songs from the big chair, and really, they didn't have much else beyond that. Their new album, The Tipping Point, of course, we've reviewed it here. It's good. It's solid. It's not great. It's got some catchy stuff on it. It's got some interesting songs, but it's not 
the groundbreaking landmark work that songs from the big chair was. So you kind of wonder at some point, do we have to start delineating between one hit wonders and one album wonders? A band like the knack. I would put them almost as a one album wonder along with tears for fears. You go ahead. You send me comment on Facebook. Send me your comments here on our Spotify page. One album wonders. Not one hit wonders, but one album wonders. And you can dispute me on the knack. I just think that album is so fantastic. I don't think you can just single out My Sharona. You've also got Good Girls Don't. And there's a lot of songs on that album that people do know to this day. Of course, with Tears for Fears and songs from the big chair, you've got three massive hits off that album. But again, take that one away. What kind of career did Tears for Fears really have? A band like Men at Work comes to mind, but what Men at Work did that was tricky was they threw out a second album right on the heels of their first big hit album. So they did get kind of a twofer. So I don't think Men at Work would qualify. I think they actually had a solid two, two and a half album run. But there've got to be other ones I'm forgetting about out there. You tell me, you let me know. One album wonders. Looking forward to some feedback, some input from you guys out there. That wraps up. I want to go back. Hang out with me for just a couple more minutes, and I will tell you what is coming up in the next few weeks on the Fortress of Rock. Hang out, won't you? I'll be right back. Well, we hope you enjoyed our trip back in time, looking back at the anniversaries, the classic moments in rock and roll history. But of course, the DeLorean works both ways. So now we have to move forward. The last segment here, as always, on the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro Kevin Crane, Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's all about the future. What's coming out here in the next month or two? What songs? What albums? What concert tours? That's why we call it Wrap It Up. Thanks to the fabulous Thunderbirds. Thanks to you for hanging out. Here comes our final segment. All right, as I mentioned, time to wrap it up each and every week. The final segment here is where I will tell you what is coming up in the coming weeks on the Fortress of Rock. You notice, I notice it, there are times when there are things that will drop off the agenda, that will drop off the slate, that will drop off the schedule because I've lost interest. This, that, and the other. 
Wilco comes to mind. I just have not got the energy or the time right now to listen to a double album from Wilco. So Cruel Country will have to wait a while. I have not forgotten Craig Finn. I know I've promised you this for weeks and weeks. I am still going to review A Legacy of Reynolds, most likely next week. And again, I know I've been saying that for the last month. I have not given up on this one. A Legacy of Rentals is coming soon. Also, still want to review Fozzie. Something new for me. I have never really gotten into Fozzie. I know who Chris Jericho is, of course, from AEW Wrestling. Boombox is their new album. I do want to get to that at some point here in the next month. And, of course, we mentioned Journey and their new album, Freedom. That's still a few weeks away, but looking forward to reviewing that. And, of course, we've mentioned it ad nauseum in this episode, but next week you will have my full review of Billy Joel live at Notre Dame Stadium. And we'll also do kind of a a look back, a retrospective deep dive into the career of Billy Joel again Kind of admire the fact he called it quits when he did. It hurt in that I hate to see an artist, a performer in rock and roll, hang it up. Especially nowadays when there's so little to look forward to when it comes to new music. But Billy Joel, if you're going to do it, did it the right way. Did it when he was on top. So we'll discuss a lot of Billy Joel next week. In terms of new songs, we mentioned Ozzy Osbourne, Patient Number 9, Megadeth, We'll Be Back. Still got to look at Jack White's first single off his upcoming second album of 2022. The song is If I Die Tomorrow. Still debating whether or not I'm going to review this Japanese-only bonus track from Unlimited Love with the Red Hot Chili Peppers called Nerve Flip. Also debating, going really mellow, going Yacht Rock on you, if I'm going to keep reviewing stuff coming off the upcoming Chicago album. New single called Firecracker. We'll see. Again, like I said, I reserve the right to add things at the last minute like I did this week with Ugly Kid Joe or pull things off the slate like I did with Wilco. I've done it in the past with the Black Keys. I might do it with Chicago and Red Hot Chili Peppers. I don't know yet. If something new comes up that grabs my fancy, I might go that way instead. Devil's Train, I've told you about them. They sound like a band that I might have to start partaking in, in reviewing here. Really liking what I've heard from them. Always looking for new music for you guys. 
I don't want to get stuck in a rut. I don't want to just do classic rock. But at the same time, I'm not going to dive into the five-finger death punch, death metal, disturb, breaking Benjamin, woe is me, screaming, yelling, with no sense of melody. I'm not doing that stuff. I'm just not. I can't. I can't do it. There are certain types of music that I do not like. Classical music, don't like it. Rap and hip-hop, don't like it. Death metal, angry screamo metal, don't like it. So, see, I'm all across the spectrum when it comes to loving and hating music. So we'll see what we have on the agenda coming up for the rest of the summer here on the Fortress of Rock. Of course, concerts are still going to be coming hard and heavy, especially in July. Like I mentioned, Doobie Brothers, Tom Kiefer, L.A. Guns. Yes, we still have to talk about the bathroom story with L.A. Guns. Faster Pussycat, Kansas, and then, of course, in August is the big Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Joan Jett, Poison, Classless Act, Blowout at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Heal up, Tommy. Heal up. That does it for another rousing edition of the Fortress of Rock as the sun sets here in the Midwest on June the 24th, 2022. I bid you adieu. I am the maestro Kevin Crane, as always, glad to talk rock and roll with you kids for an hour and a half every Friday night. And I will be back next Friday night to do the same thing over again until the devil calls my name. See you, kids. Bye.